Good morning. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Exodus chapters 1 and 2 selected texts. Now a new king came to power in Egypt who didn't know Joseph. He said to his people, the Israelite people are now larger in number and stronger than we are. Come on, let's be smart and deal with them. Otherwise, they will only grow in number. And if war breaks out, they will join our enemies, fight against us, and then escape from the land. The king of Egypt spoke to the two Hebrew midwives named Sipra and Pua. When you're helping the Hebrew women give birth and you see the baby being born, if it's a boy, kill him. If it's a girl, you can let her live. Now, the two midwives respected God, so they didn't obey the Egyptian king's order. Instead, they let the baby boys live. So the king of Egypt called the two midwives and said to them, Why are you doing this? Why are you letting the baby boys live? The two midwives said to Pharaoh, Because Hebrew women aren't like Egyptian women. They're much stronger and give birth before the midwives can get to them. So God treated the midwives well, and the people kept on multiplying and became very strong. Now, a man from Levi's household married a Levite woman. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that the baby was healthy and beautiful, so she hid him for three months. When she couldn't hide him any longer, she took a reed basket and sealed it up with black tar. She put the child in the basket and set the basket among the reeds at the riverbank. The baby's older sister stood by, um, stood watch nearby to see what would happen to him. Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river while the women servants walked along beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and she sent one of her servants to bring it to her. When she opened it, she saw the child. The boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children. The baby's sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Would you like me to go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter agreed. Yes, do that. So the girl went and called the child's mother. One day after Moses Moses had become an adult, He went out among the people and saw their forced labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. He looked around to make sure no one else was there. Then he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When Moses went out the next day, he saw two Hebrew men fighting with each other. Moses said to the one who had started the fight, Why are you abusing your Hebrew brother? He replied, who made you boss over us? Are you planning to kill me just like you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and he realized they obviously know what I did. Then Then Pharaoh heard about it and he tried to kill Moses. But Moses ran away from Pharaoh and settled down in the land of Midian.
is the word of God for the people of God. Today is a special day in the life of the Universal Church of Jesus Christ. It's the first Sunday of what? Lent, yes, and as I mentioned uh, last week in our service, Lent comes from an old English word. It means to lengthen, because during the season of Lent, the days are getting longer. Uh, but the truth is, Lent isn't about more sunlight. Lent, Lent is about the people of God journeying with Jesus Christ toward the cross. And throughout this journey of Lent, we, we are going to be engaged in a series called Let My People Go. It's a, a series designed to help us take inventory of our lives as we journey with Christ towards his death and eventually towards the greatest day ever, Easter. I have a colleague named Jason Michelli. Jason uh, wrote a book, I mentioned it five months ago in a sermon for about 90 seconds. Jason wrote a book called Preaching a Better Atonement, and in it, Jason makes a very compelling argument. He said, if you asked most people, why did Jesus come to this earth to live, to die, and to experience resurrection? What was the whole point of Jesus? Most people would say, Jesus came to forgive us of our sin. And Jason Michelli said, that's, that's partially true, but if, if the primary reason that Jesus came to the earth was to forgive us of sin, then the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ should have taken place on Yom Kippur, the Jewish day for atonement of sin. But it doesn't. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, rather, takes place during a holiday called the Passover. And if you think about what the Passover was, the Passover wasn't a story of forgiveness of sins. The Passover was a story of freedom. And so what we are going to do over the course of these next couple of weeks is we are going to look at the first great story of freedom, the Exodus, in order to understand the final story of freedom in Jesus Christ. For Jesus Christ didn't simply come to forgive sins. He came to set us free. Free from sin, yes. Free from death, yes. Free from hell, absolutely. But that's not all. He also came to set us free from living lives of quiet desperation. Jesus came to set us free. So we'll study the Hebrews' story of freedom in order to better understand our own story of freedom. Because what Jesus did on that night so long ago, the night He gave Himself up for the world at the Passover feast, He took one people's story of freedom and He made it everybody's story of freedom. So, today, we begin our series. A series about freedom. The freedom we find in Jesus Christ is called Let My People Go. Just quick survey here. How many of you, before Brother Don stood up to read this morning, how many of you had ever heard of the names Shifra and Puah? Raise your hand. Like eight of us, right? There are 14 people in North America who know who Shifra and Puah are. Eight of them in this room. Praise the Lord. Uh, Shifra and Puah are not household names, but brothers and sisters, they should be household names. These women were remarkably courageous. Pharaoh looked around, he said, the Hebrew children, they are growing in multitude. What happens if they turn against us? And so he hatched a plan. Pharaoh called in the two Hebrew midwives, Shifra and Puah. He said to them, listen, if a, a, a Hebrew woman gives birth to a baby boy, you need to kill that baby boy. And they said, oh, great majesty. Yes, sir. 
And then they left and totally ignored him. Hishabrahim Pua stood up to the most powerful man in the world. And when he called them back to his court and said, Why aren't you killing these Hebrew boys? Shifra and Pua were crafty. They said, Oh, great Pharaoh, you're so remarkable. But listen, these Hebrew women are strong, brother. They give birth, go right back to work. It's amazing. They don't even call us half the time. They stood up to one of the most powerful men in the world. And in so doing, Shifra and Pua didn't just do what was right. They saved lives. The lives of a whole generation of Hebrew babies, but one life in particular. Because of Shifra and Pua's courage, a baby by the name of Moses was saved. Moses is eventually adopted by a princess in Pharaoh's court. He is raised with great opulence and opportunity. One day, he's out and about, and he sees one of the Egyptian slavers beating one of his Hebrew brothers and sisters, one of his Hebrew brothers, and Moses intervenes. And by the time he's through, the Egyptian slaver lies dead in the sand. Moses, Moses chose to risk everything that he had, all of his wealth, all of his opulence, all of his comfort. He chose to risk everything he could, everything he had for one measly, precious life. And so we're studying freedom today, and we can ask ourselves, what is it that the stories of Shifra and Pua and Moses could teach us about freedom? Well, how about this? We could say that if we're going to follow God, it takes guts. It takes a degree of intestinal fortitude, a degree of intestinal fortitude for you and me to live lives of love and justice, to work for love and justice in the world. Or we could say it slightly differently. We could say that the living God came to this earth to give us freedom from sin, from death, from hell, freedom to live. God came to give us freedom, and in return, God gives us one expectation. God says, if I have gone to all this trouble to give you the freedom to live life, then my expectation is that you will truly live it abundantly and courageously. Jesus says it this way in John chapter 10, verse 10. He says, I have come that you might have life and have it to the fullest. It's interesting. When I was a kid, I I got advice from people. Um, We probably all did. People like my teachers and my parents and my Sunday school teachers. um, They would say things to me like, Rob, we hope you grow up and you find that thing that makes you happy. That, that was the advice I was given. You need to go out and find that thing that makes you happy. Anybody else get advice like that from the people you love in your family? I'm the only one. Some of you got it. Okay, praise the Lord. We got one other person here who got some advice like that. I think the people in our lives told us that, and, and they, they were well-intentioned when they, they did that, but I think it's poor advice because happiness is, is not really a worthy goal. Happiness is actually a byproduct of stuff that's going on around us. It's an emotional, physiological result of of the situations that are happening around us it would it would kind of be like when somebody in your household graduates from high school you saying to them listen billy i really hope you grow up and i hope you're really sleepy what 
Happiness is an emotional byproduct, but it's not just that. I mean, the pursuit of, of happiness is, is a challenging thing, even a difficult thing, particularly if we, if we strive to find happiness in the bottom of a bottle or a syringe, or in my case, ice cream. <laughs> my mama was here today. She was in town this week. My mom and dad were, she makes this dessert. It starts out like all good recipes with a stick of butter. You melt it in a pan. Then you crush up a bag, a bag, a whole bag of Oreo cookies. Put that in the bottom. You bake that. It forms a crust. Then you put vanilla ice cream on it. After that, you mix Eagle Brand sweetened condensed milk, chocolate chips and peanuts together to make a fudge. Put that on top of the ice cream. Freeze it for an hour. Friends, this is what we're going to eat in heaven. I guarantee it. (laughs) Makes me happy. People in our lives will tell us, they'll tell us all the time, you should do what makes you happy. But Jesus gives us different advice. Jesus said, I don't want you to strive for a life that makes you happy. I want you to strive for a life that matters. My friends, the people around us, the folks in this room, we're among the most privileged people in history. Wealthy. Educated, And there are some people in this room who will say, no, I'm pretty poor. If we're poor, we're the best-dressed, best-fed poor people in the history of the world. In fact, we've been given too much by our God to set unworthy goals like being wealthy or comfortable. Goals like being happy are beneath us. And some of you say, okay, preacher, I buy it. Yes, yes, let's live the abundant life. Let's do what Jesus tells us to do. But the question is, How do we do that? How do we live a worthy, abundant life? How do we live courageously? I want to respond to that question by asking two more. The question is, how do we live an abundant life? Here's my question in response. Boom. All right. Is this endeavor, the endeavor in which I am spending my life, is my life's work designed for the good of the community and world or just for me? Who is the beneficiary of my life's work? The community and world or just me? That's the first question. Shifra and Pua, Moses, they spent their lives in worthy endeavors. They risked so much. Shifra and Pua risked their lives. Moses risked his opulence and his life. For the betterment of the world, their life was spent in worthy endeavors. And the second question is this. Is this endeavor, is my life's work... Using my talents, my passion, that fire inside of me that God has given me, is it using my passions and abilities to the full? Is my life work designed for the good of the community and world or just for me? And is my life work using the skills, the gifts, the passions, the talents that God has placed at my disposal? Uh, In the year 109 AD, the Roman Empire built an aqueduct that carried water from some Spanish mountains down into a a hot valley to a city called Segovia. The the aqueduct worked beautifully. In fact, the aqueduct served the city of Segovia, Spain for 1,800 years. At the beginning of the 20th century, the people of Segovia were still getting water from the Roman aqueduct built in 109 AD. And then... Then the the leaders of Segovia, Spain, came together and said, you know, this aqueduct's worked for us for 50 generations. It's it's really nice. But 
maybe it's time to retire it. Maybe we should put down some pipe and pump water in that way. So that's what they voted to do. They put down their pipes and they started rerouting their water. And something amazing happened. Without the water to cool the aqueduct, the hot Spanish sun built down, uh, bore down on that structure. The bricks started to disintegrate. The, the mortar fell away. But ages of service could not destroy. Idleness disintegrated. Like the aqueduct, if our lives are not being used, if our skills are not being employed to their full, we are wasting away, but not simply are we wasting our gifts and skills, we are wasting the gifts that God gave us. There was a great violinist by the name of Niccolo Paganini. He was a remarkable violinist. And, and upon his death, he, he willed his famous violin to the city of Genoa, the city of his birth. But there was a caveat. He said, I'm willing to give this, this violin to the people of my hometown, but they're never allowed to play it. In fact, nobody is allowed to play it. It was an unfortunate condition that he offered because it's a peculiarity of wood that as long as it's used and handled, it shows little wear, but as soon as it's discarded, it begins to decay. And so you could go today to Genoa. You could see the exquisite, mellow-toned violin has become worm-eaten. The case is still pretty, though. It's valueless except a relic. The moldering instrument is a reminder that a life withdrawn from service to God and others loses its meaning. Jesus Christ came to the world to set people free. And in exchange, He calls us to use our freedom well, to make sure that the endeavors we spend our lives accomplishing, the hours and the moments that we spend, are spent in the service to God, to our community, to our world. And that we are using the gifts that God has given us in such a way that we're being challenged. For the life and skills that God has given us are precious gifts. And we must use them well. One final piece in this conversation about living the abundant life. What happens if, if I wake up one morning and I recognize that my entire life has been, sent, has been spent simply in the pursuit of comfort and wealth and ease for me and my family? Well, remember that it's never too late to start over. What happens if I wake up one day and I recognize that everything I've done has been for me and mine start over? And there'll be some people in this room who say, but I'm 80 years old. So was Moses. In Moses' greatest act, God didn't call him till he was 80 years old to come and lead the people of God out of slavery in Egypt. It is never too late to start over. We've been given so much. We've been given life and wealth and health. We've been given choices about how to use our gifts. We must use them well. We must find the fire inside of us that pushes and pulses within us to make us agents of love and justice because anything else is beneath the people of the living God. Okay. One final story. In the year 1813, King Frederick Wilhelm III was the king of Prussia. And he found himself in trouble. You see, through most of his reign, King Frederick Wilhelm III had been at war. And war is expensive, 
So he found his coffers had been severely diminished. Prussia was on the verge of bankruptcy. So King Frederick Wilhelm came up with an idea. He sent out word across Prussia, inviting the people of Prussia, particularly the women of Prussia, to bring their gold and silver jewelry and give it to him. In exchange for their gold and silver, the king of Prussia would give the women a small iron cross. On the cross were the words, I traded gold for iron, 1813. Now, I just want you to imagine what would happen if three years ago, President Obama, or or today, President Trump said to us, Hey, uh, would you guys bring me your jewelry? How would that go over? Probably not well, right? I I don't think it would go over terribly well. Uh, Regardless of the administration, I don't think it would have gone over terribly well. But the amazing thing happened in Prussia back in 1813. People came out of the woodwork. They brought their gold. They brought their silver. They handed it to their king and to his representatives. And in exchange, they started to wear those iron crosses with pride. Something amazing happened in Prussia. See, the, the thing that happened that was terribly amazing in Prussia was that it became unfashionable to wear any gold or jewelry, to wear any ornamentation except the cross. In fact, there was born something called the Order of the Iron Cross. The Order of the Iron Cross was comprised of people who agreed to wear no ornamentation whatsoever except that Iron Cross, marking 1813 as the day they gave their great gift to their king and received a gift in return. When Christians come to our king... (coughs) When Christians come to our king, we too make a trade. The flourishes of our former life, our wealth, our desires for comfort and ease, they're all exchanged for a cross, a symbol that we have given ourselves for a worthy goal. Some of you have been asking yourself this morning, why are there chain link fences in our sanctuary? It's a fair question. Fences uh, are used in prisons. They're a symbol of of bondage. And over the course of the next several weeks, as we journey with Christ towards the cross and discover what it means to be set free in Christ, we're going to employ these, these metaphors in our journey, these fences, to remind us that there are things that need, that we need to be set free from. And, and some people in the room might say, but Rob, they're kind of ugly. That's the point. So too is our bondage. There are things that we still need to be set free from. And our God has come to set us free. And so this morning, the question I want to invite us to consider is, God has given us so so very much in our lives. Freedom from sin and death and hell. Freedom to live beautiful, abundant, courageous lives. And yet if your life is like mine, There are some places that rather than acting to the glory of God, we have sat back in our comfort and our ease. I want us to consider this morning what the inaction is in our lives that we need Christ to free us from. Jesus Christ came to earth to set humanity free from more than sin and death. He came to set us free from a misspent life. But this freedom to live abundantly, it doesn't come freely. God expects something in return. For if God is going to give us new life, God expects 
that we will use it well. Shifra and Pua spent their lives in worthy endeavors. Moses spent his life in a worthy endeavor. What will our lives be spent doing? Will our lives be spent for the sake of our community and our world? Will our lives use the gifts, the talents, the passions that God has given us to their full? If the answer to those questions are yes, praise the Lord. But if we answer those questions this morning by saying no, then remember that there is hope. For it is never too late to start living the abundant life. Today could be our Independence Day. It is never too late to begin living the abundant life. But we must remember the life and freedom that God gives to us comes with a cost. It's time to start living. Let us pray. Holy God, we give you thanks this day. Confessing as we give thanks. There have been times in my life and in the lives of the people in this room, times that you have called us to action, to transform the world, and we have chosen comfort and ease. Forgive us. Inspire us by, like, by the work of heroines like Shifra and Pua and heroes like Moses. Inspire us to use the moments in our lives well, to spend our days and our hours in worthy endeavors that benefit our community and world, not just ourselves. Help us, O God, to find the ways that we can use our gifts, our skills, our passions, our talents, those things that you have given to us and placed within us. Help us to find those places we can use them well. And Lord, when we discover that We've traveled down the path that wasn't bringing you glory. Help us to remember that today, this very moment, could be our moment of freedom and independence. Oh, gracious God, we thank you for the gift of freedom to live our lives beautifully and well. Help us to do so. We pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ and always for the sake of his kingdom. Amen.